Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. And believe it or not, as I was meditating in what to bring to you guys today, the Lord was tugging in my heart to share about the Shunammite, the Shunammite woman. And the more I read about this woman, the more I reflected on our MB ladies. And so today, I just simply want to remind you guys of who you are and where we are going. If you want, um, follow me, 2 Kings 4, 8 through 26, and it reads as follow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. One day, Elijah went to Shunem. And a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on a roof and put it in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elijah came, he went up to the room and lay down. He said to his servant, Jehazim, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elijah said to him, tell her you have gone to, to, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She, of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What, what, can be done for, what can be done for her, Elijah asked. So the servant said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elijah said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this, next, about this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was on the reapers, with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. Doesn't that sound familiar for most of us? Take him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then she shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me on the servant and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, she, he said. He asked, it's not the noon moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. It's a powerful story here. I think it's really interesting how so much was said about this woman, yet her name was never mentioned. Did you catch that? It said where she lived. It said 
who she served, and it even mentioned the level of her faith by the name, but the name was never mentioned. Today I'm going to address myself to new birth. I'm going to adjust myself to all the women at new birth. I'm going to adjust myself to the men and to everyone. I might not call you individually by your name, but I want to let you know that the word that God has instilled in my heart, you can receive it individually for yourself and put a name on it. The Bible says in verse 8 that she was great. Talk about leaving a mark. An unnamed woman is characterized as great. So it's interesting how they never mentioned her name, but they said that the Bible says that she was great. What made her so great? Well, let's talk about what the Bible says. It states where she lived. That was Shunem. The definition of this is a double resting place. It was also stated who she served, which was Elijah. And that means my God is salvation. And finally, her level of faith, which was manifested through the death of her son. What does this tell us? What does this says about her practice? That not only she lived in this place, but she carried the name of it with dignity and she lived up to the place she was from. How many of us everywhere, and I hear this all the time, everywhere we go and everybody that we associate ourselves with, we constantly say, oh, yeah, I go to new birth. And with good pride, we say, yeah, I go to new birth. It is a place of hope. It's become a place of hope. Yet sometimes with our character, we actually say differently. And so today the Lord wants to take us to a place that we can learn how to represent where we come from, which is a place of hope. The first thing that we see here, or the first act, was that she showed her greatness with the spirit of service. Verses 9 and 10, it talks about how she, did, she, she noticed that there was a need. And she didn't just notice it, but she actually uh, met the need, right? How many times we see needs in people and we tend to ignore that. But this woman was peculiar. She saw the need and she said, I want to meet the need of this man of God. The second thing was her level of contentment. He felt so appreciative with what she had done for him, which is pretty natural, right? And so he went and asked, what can I do for you? And she was like, I have a home. I'm good, right? She found contentment in where she was at. She didn't focus on the things that she didn't have, but yet was content with what she had and was grateful for that, not looking at what she didn't. How many of us can really say that if someone was to ask us after we did a favor, what can I do for you, that we would say, I'm okay. We probably will take out a whole list that we've been praying about, right? But this time, she says, no, I am content. Her level of contentment was a very uh, appreciative one. And what she's saying is that she appreciated the offer, but she was fine. Man of God. She referred to him as the man of God. So when it came to this man that was offering her something, she was so grateful. And she wasn't looking to try to gain any type of goodness from him. But she did it because she knew that this was a man of God. Many times, oftentimes, we walk around, and just because we do so much, in, either in the church or outside of the church, whatever we do, we feel like we have this sense of entitlement, right? But this woman having the opportunity, she was like, no, she just knew who she was serving. And I think that's an important point, that we need to find contentment and understand that what we do, we do it because we love God, 
not because of a title or anything like it. Ladies, we need to have a spirit of service, and we need to trust and be content enough to do what we do because we understand what he has done for us, and we also understand that we are hope for this generation. Imagine, it is, for me, it is an urgency that we understand that for this time we have been caught because there's a generation of young ladies, as a generation of young people, especially in this church, that's coming right behind us, behind us, and they're coming very aggressively. And so if we don't do and take posture and understand that we are to provide hope and we ignore, these people are going to come and they're going to just run over us. But when we give up, they're going to look at us and they're going to think that it's okay to give up as well. So it's important that we reach this point of contentment in God, knowing that we trusted him and that we will see results in due time. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says the following. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. That is powerful. Here we go. The Shunammite woman was looking at what she had, rather what she didn't have. The other point that we can see is the, the one of her spirit of expectation. When she had, when you are under the spirit of expectation and circumstances come into your life, okay, you are so focused because you know, you know that there is a promise over your life. This woman was not looking for that blessing. In fact, like I've been saying for a while now, when the prophet asked her, what can I do? She said, I'm good. She wasn't asking for the blessing. But you know what? He chose to bless her. He chose to prophesy over her. And as a result, she became pregnant and had a child. It's crazy how later on in the verses, it says how that same child that God blessed her with died. How many of us can relate to this woman where a word has been given over our lives, where circumstances or things have happened, and we come out energized from our service or even in prayer, and we know that there's a word that's been deposited over our life, but through time, something happened, and that promise died. I am here to tell you that just like this woman, she went to where the promise was given to her. It's interesting how when she went to the husband, the husband says, well, why are you going today? You, do you really have to go today? And she's like, well, and I like it in Spanish because it says pass, like chill. Um, here it was like, that's all right. I don't know what I would have said. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have said. But there's sometimes that when, when, when you know you got to go to a place, there are those people that are going to come and they're going to say, wait, chill, relax. And you have to be in tune with the Holy Ghost. And you have to be in tune with that promise that's been instilled over your life. And you have to say, hold on one second. No, I need to go because I wasn't looking for this blessing. This blessing was deposited in me and now it's dead and I have to deal with this. Had it been me, because I could be cheap like that, I would have been like, now nah, I got to pay for a funeral? Oh, heck no. Because I always take everything back to money. I'm not cheap, but that's just how I am. I like to know where my money is going. So this woman is like, no, I'm going to get there. As she's going, 
Guess what? The servant comes to her because the prophet sees her from afar and says, go, go see how she's doing. And the, the servant comes to her and says, how, how is your husband? How are you? How's your son? And she has the audacity, let me tell you, that is faith, to say, all is well. Isn't that crazy? You know why this happens sometimes in our lives? Because there are circumstances that we go through. There's a word, there's a promise that's been deposited over our lives. And I don't know about you, but when I was immature in God, I remember going through circumstances and running inside the church and trying to look for the first refuge, and it wasn't Jesus. I wanted to hurry up and talk to somebody because they needed to hear me out. And they needed to hear that I needed Jesus 911, and if they could help me, please go ahead. But I've come to a point in Christ, I've come to a point of maturity to understand that the one that has called me, the one that has deposited a word over my life in the midst of all circumstances is him. Therefore, when you're on your way to try to confront, it's okay, you don't need to fly praise. No, I get more nervous if you praise. Just be quiet and listen. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry. So, there comes, there comes, yeah, some people like shout, don't shout, just listen. Okay, so. There comes a point when these circumstances come over your life and you're on the way to Jesus. You're on the way to the place that was given this promise. And as you're going, people are going to come to you and they're going to want to ask you what's going on. You can prophesy to yourself and say, all is well. You know why? Because you didn't ask for this. They didn't give it to you. Who gave it to you is this God, and so he needs to deal with it. I'm not going to deal with it. I didn't ask for the child. I didn't ask for the blessing. I didn't ask for this. You chose to bless me. You chose to give it to me, so now I'm going to go back to you and say, here's this. This situation is dead. What are you going to do about it? That's a level of expectancy. All is well. She trusted. She trusted, and she went to the prophet. She went to the prophet, and guess what? The prophet spoke life over her son, and something did happen. Let me tell you something. You know, I am a mother, for those of you that don't know. And as a mother, we go through some crazy things because kids are just crazy. Y'all crazy. And, you know, I, I, growing up, my father instilled in me the importance of, Petri, everything that you do here on earth, you're going to pay for it. So if you just understand that you're going to have kids one day. So I grew up in fear. I'm like, oh, my God. So I, want, I always try to be like this good girl, you know. So, but, um, yeah, so I had these kids. And um, I remember one time my youngest son, the one that was testifying, payback time, you spoke about me, I'm going to talk about you. Um, he, <laughs> I remember him one time. We came out of a powerful service. Listen to me, mother. We came out of a powerful service, and I remember that the way that the Lord dealt with him was that he was like, you know what, I felt, by the way, it was a death service, um, and he was like, I felt the power of God. I was like, good, because I didn't, but he felt the power of God, and he said, you know what, Mom, I'm at a point in my life that I don't need nobody to praise. I am so much fire that I feel like I could contaminate someone else, and I was like, wow. So we had church the whole ride home. It was my kids, and it was with me pastor was traveling somewhere we get home and it was a lot of excitement it was great he goes up and the enemy confronts him and tells him I'm gonna put you in jail so my son comes down running crying and he's like ma the enemy just moved in he says I'm going to jail and like any mother I said 
That's not going to happen. Stop. And stop being so afraid. You can't be afraid. Like, that's not going to happen. So I gathered my kids together, and we started rebuking, and we started praying, and we just put a word over his life. Guess what? Three days later, I get a letter, and um, he was in some, in some type of mess. There was a bunch of kids, and he was part of the kids, and so they took all of them, and he was one of them. I get this police report. I get all this stuff, and they, uh, they, they give us an appointment to go to this juvenile place. And so I went with my husband three days later. I was nervous. I was scared. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> but we went. You know, I just tried to be serious and try to be more spiritual, and we went. And when, as soon as we got there, you know, we were from this mega church. So everywhere you go, there's always people. We find members of the church there. And my husband's like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. I said, don't worry. He's here too. You're a father just like he is. So we were there. You know? So we go and we sit down and we meet with this person. And this person is telling me everything that went down. She's reading me the police report. She's saying everything. And I'm just listening to her and I'm just observing her. And then there comes the part that she starts expressing the cost of everything. How much is going to cost the process that my son has to go through and everything that I have to pay in cash. And like I said before, I'm not cheap. I'm re I promise I'm not cheap. But I do count my pennies. And so when she was telling me how much it was going to cost, I got this holy anger. And I just looked at her and I said, let me tell you something, Miss, with all due respect. I said, you see this man right here? This is my husband. He is a pastor. We live off the full-time ministry. We live off the income of the people of God. There is no way on earth that I am going to spend my money that I get from the church of God to for all these feeds. Something's got to happen. So when she saw I took that posture, she said, Miss, I was like, I told her, tell me what I need to do. Because... At the end of the day, he's not guilty. This, this was wrong, so please tell me what I need to do. So she went ahead and she pointed without speaking on what I needed to do. I read it really quick and we left the office. Let me tell you how when we were on the highway, we were going so fast. And my husband, as he was driving, he tells me, my chest hurts. I said, stop it right here. Stop it. Put it on the side. I need to drive. Like, and for those of you that know me, I hate driving. But that one time, I said, there's no time for this. Like, Heart attacks, we'll do it later. We need to get to this. There's an urgency. We need to handle this. So I said, get out. Let me take the car. Let's go. And so we went, and we finally got to the house. Let me tell you, when we knocked on that door, that the lady opened the door, she was like, I was like, hi, I'm here with Jonathan. Jonathan, you remember, right? I want to punch in your face. But anyway, we were there, and I was like, you know, I was like, this is my son, um, Jonathan. And I was like, you know, there's been a misunderstanding. And she was like, you know what? I wanted to reach you guys. Thank God you guys came. This is a true story, guys. She was like, thank God you guys came because we saw his name. But we didn't understand why his name was there because her daughter had said that my son had nothing to do with it. And I was like, miss, I need you to call and take out that name right now. By the way, if he's guilty, I'll be the first one to put him in jail. But if he's innocent, I need you to please take his name out. And she said, no problem. We were like, whoa, he got saved. But again, I was upset because I said, okay, you're not guilty, but what are you doing with all these kids? If you're with these kids, the same thing's going to happen. So after that, I gave him a good slap. But at the same time, it was good because I didn't have to pay those fees and we got out of trouble. You know, there was an urgency in my life. How many of you have gone through urgencies that there's no time to try and look cute? Let me tell you, when the, the, the woman took the baby to the, the kid, the, the kid that was older, to the prophet, you know what the prophet did? He literally took the kid, 
put him down, and he went and laid on top of him. Some of us are stuck because we are waiting for somebody to come and prophesy over our circumstances when you have given the power through the Holy Ghost to go over your circumstance and pour some life into it and prophesy over it. You have the power to do that. But you know what? We, we, we've taken things like it's okay. We take things and we're like, it's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. God has bigger and greater things for us. God has created us with purpose. And God has instilled a word. I don't know what word the Holy Spirit has instilled over your life, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your health, whether it's with your marriage. I don't know. I know what he's instilled in my life. And so that's why I walk with purpose. That's why sometimes I don't want to be here, but I know that the one that is with me is greater than any circumstance that I may feel. So you know what I do? I lay over my circumstance. I put breath into it, and I said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You need to prophesy to yourself. You really need to prophesy to yourself. God wants to take us, new birth, ladies. God wants to take us to a, a level of expectancy with him. God wants to take us to a place that nothing and nobody can detain us from where we need to go. You know, these are not the days for us to try to come to church to see who has the cutest heels or who's looking the better. It's time for us to come and get down and dirty because there is a promise that it has your name, and you need to be able to get on the floor, lay on it, and prophesy over it, and declare it. We are chosen to be a place of hope. But a lot of us think that a place of hope is when we come into these four walls. But I got some news for you. A place of, you, of hope is you. A place of hope is within you. And you have the power to give someone hope. In the midst of all circumstances, you can give hope. You can give hope and provide hope. The beauty of it is, the beauty of it is that as you care for others, as you care for others, God takes care of you and your own. That's my testimony. God wants to enter us into a place of hope. So become that place of hope. But this can only happen if we continue to inspire. If we continue to inspire and to provide services. It is not okay as a church, as his people, that when we come and we don't see enough announcements that has to do with outreach and reaching our community, you should have a problem with that. You should go to your pastor and say, what's going on? What's going on? We're not doing pantry. What's up? We're not going to go out. We're not going to do this. Because that has been instilled with us, and that's who we are. We have to have an urgency. God forbid that we pass through people in need and that we become used to it. No, there is an urgency and we have to meet that. And I promise you that as we obey his word, he's going to do what he needs to do with us. Praise Jesus. Woman of faith. Let's rise. Woman of faith. That's what we are called to do. To be, to provide hope. To be woman of service. Women that want to do more for God. Women that we don't put excuses, but that we know that there's a promise that's over us. 
contentment, that we're not focusing so much on what we don't have, but that we can become people that are appreciative with what we do have. And the rest, God is going to take care of. And finally, that we can reach to a level of expectancy, a, le a level of faith in God. That nothing, that nothing can separate us, that nothing can stop us. I have so many testimonies in my life, so many that I can share, so many. And there's even some testimony that the Holy Spirit has told me it's not time yet to share. But there's so many testimonies and just because my family and I have decided to follow Jesus and don't let anything stop us from doing that. We have come through circumstances in our life that it would have been so much easier to just step down. It would have been so much easier to run out the church. But we have learned to trust that there's a word that has been poured our lives and that we need to trust that it's going to happen. Circumstances are going to come and go. It's called life. But that doesn't matter. You and I, we are children of God. And we're called for more. We're called for greater. And if he is with us, who can be against us? Let's give a hand clap to the Lord. message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.